Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Adrian Rogers once said, it is better to be hated for telling the truth than loved for telling a lie. Not that I want to be hated, but it is better telling you the truth as opposed to telling you something that you want to hear. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I would ask that you consider the following. First, would you please like and share this podcast so others may benefit as well? Second, prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor of this podcast. Your support to The Truth Must Be Told will allow me not only to keep making podcasts and maintaining the website, but your support will also make it possible to level up this program to new platforms so that the Word of God can go forward and reach as many people as possible. You can make your gifts to paypal.me slash salvatorepassos. And if you listen to the show on anchor.fm, you can click the support button. You can also listen on iHeartRadio and view the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for your support. And please keep listening to The Truth Must Be Told. Hello and happy Tuesday. Do you work in the retail trade? If not, do you have any idea what it is like? Probably not. Look, we're going to explore the ugly side of retail today on The Truth Must Be Told. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'll be a nice change of pace. When in doubt, tell the truth. And when I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Hello, 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 and welcome to today's program, number 45, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, a big hello to my new listeners on ImpactRadioUSA.com. Glad you're here and enjoying the program. Um, if <laughs> It's just uh, very exciting to see how the program is expanding and how things are going. I'm very, very excited about it. And um, I just hope and trust that you've been being blessed. Don't forget to, um, to uh, go to my website, thetruthmustbetold.org, and where you can click, on, uh, click a link to get to uh, anchor.fm. I believe it's on there. If it's not, I'll make sure and put it on there. <laughs> hey, it's tough doing this all by myself, okay? Um, but I'm doing the best I can under the circumstances. All right, so uh, today, if you didn't know, I have been in the retail trade most of my life. Uh, I have dealt with, I would dare say, every aspect of retail. See, I grew up in a retail store. My grandfather owned a TV repair shop in New York City. Back then, you see, we actually repaired the TVs, young folks. <laughs> we, we repaired TVs and radios instead of throwing them away to get a new one. Uh, we also fixed phonographs, 8-track players, those type of things, cassettes. And you're wondering, what are those? Look it up online. Look up what an 8-track is. You, no one knows the joy of an 8-track. <laughs> Quite as my generation has. Anyway. I learned my customer skills from those early years, dealing with customers. You know, in later years, I've held management or supervisor positions with many companies, such as Radio Shack, Joanne Fabrics, Petco, Harbor Freight Tools, Valvoline Instant Oil Change. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple there. And not to mention that I also ran my own janitorial business, which puts me in the 30-odd-plus years of retail management position. So... You know, with all my dealings with customers, I've always wanted to write a book called um, If We Could Run a Business Without Customers, We'd Be a Lot Better Off. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that would go over very well. 
but uh, you know, I figured you know I can I can glean uh, anecdotes from anecdotes from uh, many many uh, places and uh, get a kick out of listening to their uh, to other people's experiences with customers. I think would be fun, but I think it would uh, insult quite a few people out there reading it. <laughs> but for the most part, I will acknowledge that uh, for. Uh, that most of the people that come into a retail store are pretty nice. Of course, everyone has has a bad day, both the clerks and the customers. All right. Now, if the clerk is having a bad day, he or she may not be all that anxious to really make the customers feel at home or meet their needs. I've had many days like this myself, and it's difficult to concentrate on the customer because I'm running a fever or have a bad head cold or I have excessive pain in my back or whatever. No, you're not really supposed to take a day off when you are sick. If you do, you are looked down upon by your supervisors because they have to get someone to work your shift or have to do it themselves, do the work themselves picking up your slack. So taking days off is not really encouraged, okay? Uh, the corporate bosses, the CEOs, and etc., they have a nice deal. They run the company, but... Forget what it's like to be on the front line of retail if they were ever there to begin with because a lot of these people just come out of school and they get a job within the company in sales or something and they move up and they become a CEO and all of a sudden they're an expert on running the business and know what needs to be done. You know, they get their holidays off, their weekends off, they take nice vacations and get substantial bonus packages while the clerk works weekends and holidays and gets very little time off and gets very little recognition from their bosses. Usually because the managers and supervisors are not getting the recognition from their bosses either. And I've always said, and I know this sounds kind of bad, but I've always said that um, working in retail, when you're on the front lines of retail like that, when you're down with the customers and having to deal with that stuff, it um, is like uh, it's like you are a prostitute and you have to be there morning, noon and night, holidays, weekends out there making sure that you're making money for the pimps, which is the CEOs of the company. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but <clears throat> kind of boils down to that. I mean, you're out there busting your buns while these guys are off on their vacations and making their huge bonuses and you know, so it's a, it's a, you know, so, but let's take a look at a retail clerk. Now, this is a, I'm, this is a fictitious person. I'm not naming anybody in particular, and the people that I name, there's no, there's no reflection to anyone that I know. Okay, this is just typical of what happens when you um, go to work at retail. Okay. So let's say you just got out of high school and you decide you're going to work for some retail establishment. You scan the internet to find that job. It may be your first and you want to make money so you can partay on the weekends with your friends. You know, you find a job with a store which you think it would be a blast to work at because you really like their products. So you apply online and if you're lucky, you get a phone call from, let's say, Susan, the store manager. Now, Susan could be having a bad day herself, and we will discuss store managers later on, but Susan calls you and talks with you. As she's chatting with you on the phone, she asks you if you had any retail experience, and you say little to none. 
maybe you helped out <clears throat> in a in a family store maybe or or you've um you volunteered somewhere <clears throat> and you've done some retail work but um you have this you have very little experience but you're willing to learn all right so she chats with you a bit more and she explains the position and there's a need for a cashier at her store and they're willing to hire you. She explains that the job entails standing on your feet at the register, ringing up customers' items, bag them, collect the money, and wish them a nice day. Oh, and you may have to work one weekend day uh, during the week, and you'll have to work holidays. You're sort of taken by surprise. <clears throat> and I really have to work on weekends? Why? All my life I went to school. <clears throat> Please excuse me. I am so sorry. All my life I went to school. Uh, I always had weekends free. What about my friends, partying, etc.? Well, you act like an adult and tell Susan that you understand. She next schedules you for a face-to-face -face meeting. You are excited, and you show up on time, properly dressed, and very, very anxious. Now you meet Susan, and she seems really nice. She tells you more about the job, the benefits, and what your hours would be like. And you find that you will be uh, on a 90-day probation period while you train and begin working. You accept her offer of perhaps $9 an hour. And maybe more, some less in different parts of the country. Well, And I not we're not dealing with the $15 an hour thing right now. That is an entirely different ball of wax that's going to put our economy down the toilet. But anyway, <clears throat> so she offers you, let's say, nine, nine, $9 an hour to start. Now, when she told you the wage that you will be earning, you really weren't paying much attention to anything else because you have been calculating 25 to 25 hours a week that you will be working. Let's see, 25 times 9. Wow, that's $225 per week. That's awesome. So while you're thinking about this, you missed the part Susan was telling you about the schedule, and you sort of poo-poo it off and say, no problem. Good, says Susan. And after she gets copies of your driver's license and your social security card, you start filling out a bunch of paperwork that you don't understand, some of it pertaining to your taxes and maybe something called an I-9 form. You don't know what that is, but maybe it has to do with a cell phone. Now, anyway, you gladly fill everything out. Susan hands you a name badge and a vest and tells you about the dress code. She may or may not give you a booklet of the company's policies, but that's all online now. She congratulates you and tells you to show up on Monday ready for work. Oh, you're so excited. You got that job. You're, you're, really, you're really pumped up about it. You're all good to go. You spend the weekends telling your friends that you got the job. You text them. They text you back and, 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 and say, well, what's your schedule going to be? You're starting Monday, but what's the rest of your schedule? And um, because they have plans the coming week, the following weekend, um, they want to go to the mall, see a movie, and, of course, they want you to come along. And, of course, they're going to hang out and do whatever you guys do at the mall and hang out over there. And, and you, you don't like missing that because that's your time and your social time with your friends. And you want to get out there and do that. You have opportunities to sleep late on Saturday and Sunday, and you want to get out there, and uh, and you want to be with your friends, and stay out late, and do what you got to do. Well, you tell them that you will get the rest of your schedule on Monday, and you'll let them know, but you'll be there because, hey, Susan said you'll only be working one day 
out of the weekend, every weekend. So come Monday, you show up on time for your shift. You've purchased new shoes over the weekend and you're ready to go. However, Susan is not there. You meet the assistant manager, Paul. Paul tells you to wait in the office because he's busy with customers and he will get to you as soon as he can. You patiently wait in there and thinking, gee, I haven't even clocked in yet. And yet, um, um, excuse me. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, while you're sitting in there, other employees are coming in and out to get, oh, a, a labeling gun or sticky labels or something that they need to, um, to get out there and, uh, and, you know, price things and do what they need to do. And they're introducing themselves to you. They're wishing you luck. And, you know, Paul comes running in and, and he's, uh, he said he'll be back in a few minutes and, you know, he runs out and does what he's got to do. And in the meantime, you're just sitting there nervously waiting because you don't know what's upcoming next. And you 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 say, gee, I haven't even clocked in yet. And, um, you know, wow. I mean, what's, what's, what's happening here? You know, you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just so, <laughs> I'm so confused. But you sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait and maybe 30 minutes have gone by or so and you're still waiting and you're still waiting and you don't know like you know you're you're waiting you're waiting and and um you're wondering why you know uh, you can't um wondering why you you have to wait because they told you to be here and they should be expecting you so you sit and wait some more and you wait and you wait and uh, and finally Paul comes in and you wait some more and after about like I said about a half an hour of waiting Paul comes in and apologizes for the wait you tell him asked you if you clocked in yet. You say no because you don't know where or how to do it. Well, Paul sighs and asks, didn't Susan show you? No, you say. She only told me to come in today. He sighs again in frustration saying something along the lines of Susan should have shown you how to clock in. He then asks for your employee number so he can get you clocked in. And Well, <clears throat> you don't have one. Again, he sighs. She was supposed to have given you that as well. He picks up the phone and calls HR and uh, at the main office. And good news is they have your application and you're in the system, but they haven't generated an employee number yet. The computer hasn't generated yet. <clears throat> so Paul lets out another sigh and hangs up. He turns to you and says, okay, get yourself a piece of paper and write down the time you arrived and keep tabs on when you work, when you take breaks, and maybe a day or two for them to finish processing it. So he wants to put you in the put you on a computer terminal so you could begin your online training, learning how to be a cashier at the store. Uh, and but he can't unfortunately because you need an employee number to access it, so you can gain your access codes and get it online. So you begin to ask about your schedule for the week, and he tells you that. He can't give you that right now because without that number, you cannot be processed into the Chronos system that, that makes the schedule. 
He will call Susan shortly and will hand a writ, he will handwrite a schedule for you. Meanwhile, he tells you to f- follow him to help him on the floor. Now, you're thinking, shouldn't I be training with the cashiers? But there's too much activity at the cashiers right now because the store is very busy. There's lines going around and uh, from the from the registers. And, you know, all you're hearing over and over again is, you know, over and over again, you're hearing the ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> you're not getting, you're not getting, uh, um, you're not, you're not going to get in much training because they won't have time to talk to you and take you through uh, everything that you need to know. So, uh, what do you do now? Well, I guess the best thing you need to do, you can do, is just follow him, and you find out what you, you know. We go from there because after all, you're putting trust in them. They know what they're doing, and they'll uh, they'll take care of that for you. Uh, everything will get everything will get, you know, everything will get put together the way it's supposed to. We just got to be patient. So Paul takes you over to a box of items and instructs you to just place them out. Dave is already working on that box, and and if you need to ask him anything, he, you can ask him for help. And Paul does a hasty retreat because they're calling him to override a sale at the register. So you begin working very excited about being there. Dave starts asking you if you have ever worked in a store before. How many hours will you be working? And of course, how much you're getting paid per hour. You work hard and trying to figure out where things go. You're not stupid, so you can match things up pretty good. But then a disaster happens. You're all alone because Dave had to go take care of a customer. But now a customer comes up to you and asks for some help. They usually start asking for this help by using this phrase. Excuse me, do you work here? As if the uniform vest, name badge, it has the company name on it and your name on it, uh, and the fact that you're diving into a box of merchandise and putting them away should give them a clue. But you smile and you say, you know, you answer in the affirmative and they ask you for something that, of course, you have no idea what they're talking about. Now here you're all set. You think, yeah, I know the merchandise in the store because I work here, or I, I practically live in this store on my off hours. But when they ask this particular question, you don't know how to answer them. You explain to them that this is your first day. You apologize and tell them that you'll need to get some help. You're getting nervous now because this customer is saying under her breath that the store shouldn't let new people on the floor if they don't know what they're doing. You frantically try to find Dave or some other employee, but you didn't know Dave is now on a break, and he didn't tell you. Paul is busy, and there's no one else around. Finally, you spot another employee on the other side of the store and ask for help. Now, they may or may not come to come with you, but you lucked out, and they came along instead of just telling you it's over there. And help the customer. So you follow like a puppy because you want to learn. You're standing there listening to this employee explaining things to the customer. You're learning a lot and gathering information. Now, when you hear your, you hear your name called from behind you, and it's Paul. And Paul wants to know why you've left your position at the box and stopped putting stuff away. You explain what had happened, and he says, that's fine, but we really need those items out on the floor. Now, wow, you feel now like you've done something wrong. What have I done wrong? Well... You return to your box and continue to put items out on the floor. Another customer approaches and 
Well, you're hoping to ignore them because Paul just pointed out that the inventory needs to get onto the sales floor. You figure if you do not make eye contact with this customer, they will just go away. And as you stick your head in the box and look for something to put out, you hear, excuse me, do you work here? Oh, and so it goes. Your shift ends, and you have written down your hours and asked Paul if he's talked to Susan yet. He sighs and says he forgot because he was so busy, and there was a lot of customers. He said he wants you to come in tomorrow at the same time, and, and said we'll be sure to talk to Susan then. You go home tired and a bit confused um, about your first day, but... Why didn't they give me a number? Oh, well, Susan will straighten it out tomorrow. She's the store manager after all. So you show up from work, show up for work, you write down the time you arrive and you are greeted by Susan. Are you scheduled to be here today? You tell her that Paul said to come in and he would talk to you. She tells you Paul is off this day and asked if you clocked in yet. You say no, and she tells you since you are here, go ahead and clock in and do some training. You begin to explain the number thing. Susan sighs and apologizes. She calls corporate HR and gets the same answer as Paul from the day before. But before she could but be but she should receive your employee number by an email later on today, and then Susan can get you into the system. Susan turns to you and explains that she really wants you to start training, but without the number, the employee number, you can't take the online courses. <laughs> or clock in. Now, you know this already because you just explained it to her. And she says, well, since you're here, why don't you put out some stock? I'll have you work at least four hours today. And at least you get some experience on the sales floor learning about the items. You sigh this time and reluctantly head out to the boxes again. But you have to, you, but you have to go and you get a better attitude. And, uh, and so you smile and show up at the box. Dave is not there today. Now it's Margaret. You begin to realize that this is a deja vu all over again day. And as she asks you the same questions Dave did, you're interrupted by customers again. You're scolded by Susan this time because you're not at the box putting items out. And Margaret is nothing but a complainer about everything that is wrong with Susan, Paul, your co-workers, and the company. And you endure it end of day two. At the end of the day, you go up to Susan, and Susan, you were expecting Susan had received the email and it put you into the system so you can now clock out and get your schedule. Well, Susan did receive the email, but she forgot about it because she was busy all day and said she'll set you up in the system tomorrow. She will text you with your schedule, and because they've lost two days of training, you will now have to train and work at the same time. Yeah, you figure you could take that and... <clears throat> nice having a you know day off. So you go home exhausted, your new shoes are hurting your feet, and you look forward to having the day off. You wake up to a text from Susan. You'll be working Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. What? I was supposed to only work one weekend day. She must have forgotten. You call her and thank her for the schedule and ask about the weekend thing. She explains that you would normally, normally have one weekend day off, but... You will be filling in for someone who has requested a day off for a wedding they are going to. Well, needless to say, this doesn't end. You wind up working many weekends with two or three days off during the week. You have finished your first week and ask about your paycheck. 
Well, of course, you have to wait until the next pay period is over. And since it's a bi-weekly schedule, you will not see a paycheck for at least three weeks. Now, Susan did explain all this to you, but you were too busy calculating how much money you were going to earn each week. So many thoughts go through your mind as you attempt to process this. But you continue working because you need the work. <coughs> Excuse me. So amid the training, the customers, the misunderstandings, you go on with your life and hope someday it will get better. But as I said, you wind up working just about every weekend. And um, you find out when you get your first paycheck that they only paid you for the one week because you came in in the middle of the pay period. So you're only getting the pay for you're getting your 225 But wait a minute, it's not $225. It's you're expecting, you know, first of all, your mind somewhere grasped that you were going to get two weeks of pay. So you're looking for $550. But you since you came in midweek in the pay period, uh, you're only getting one week of pay on that pay period. So you've worked three full weeks and only getting $225 less the taxes, the state taxes, the federal taxes, the social security, and maybe anything else that you signed up for. And now your check is looking a little bit weak, but you just keep going on because, Hey, that's what it is. That's life in the retail world. And if you wonder why people get upset, it's because they get put through this. And, uh, you know, you're, you've taken, you're taking your classes, you're in there for an hour, and then they come in and say, uh, oh, they'll tell, you, they'll tell you before you do your training, okay, you could stay here and do your training. You know, I know you're working uh, till 9 o'clock tonight, but we'll have you come in, you know, you, you could do this, uh, train for a couple hours and take your break. But you wind up only being getting about an hour of training in, and then they have to pull you away from the computer because they need help on the sales floor. And even though you're not fully trained yet, they're throwing you out there like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah, and that's, I'm telling you people, this is, you may think this is, uh, this is crazy, that this may be nuts, but... This is the life of a retail clerk. Now, some companies may be better and treat their employees better, and some are more organized. I've worked for them. They've had everything set up, and you don't get your schedule until you're in the system and you're able to do this. But I've also worked for companies where this scenario has taken place in my life. You're waiting for your employee number. You have to write down everything because it hasn't been established yet. So it, and sometimes it takes time. It took me almost a week one time. Yeah. One, one place I worked at. Well, it's a good thing I was on salary because it didn't matter. But here's your, you know, here's your pay. Enjoy. After all that we've put you through. Oh, oh, and then you find out, too, that you're not just a cashier. You're also responsible for taking out the garbage, for sweeping the front end, um, cleaning up around the front end, uh, vacuuming taking care of uh, customers that, that need you. Excuse me, I need you over here. Uh, even though you're not supposed to leave the register, you have to get, step away from the register because there's nobody else available. Even though you call out on the walkie-talkie, I'll get somebody for you, but nobody's available. And we'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so we're going to uh, break for a commercial. We'll be right back 
after this message. All right, welcome back. Steve is a good manager. He works hard to maintain his numbers. He took all the training that he needed to learn how to read his profit and loss statement every month. He knows that he has to look at the daily sales report. He gets a computer report, and he has to meet those daily sales, so they give him goals. You have to meet this amount of money or above it to make sure you're earning profits for the week. Uh, there's all kinds of things that are going on. So, But he works hard to maintain these numbers. He remembers what it was like when he was just working on the sales floor and after being moved up to an assistant manager, you know, he earned that promotion to manager. Now he's on salary and works anywhere from 50 to 60 hours a week with no overtime. And that, of course, that depends on what's happening. But Steve doesn't mind. He enjoys the responsibility and he treats his crew well. He buys them lunch from time to time and always compliments them on their efforts. He makes sure to acknowledge the good things that they're doing because Steve knows and understands that the team member is what's making him look good. It's something that the CEOs have forgotten and the district managers have forgotten that a manager like Steve makes the district manager look good. And the, the team member under Steve, those team members make Steve look good in the eyes of the district manager. District manager looks good in the eyes of his regional manager. Then the regional manager looks good in the eyes of corporate. So it really, it goes uphill and it makes, you know, but Steve is under pressure as well. And I'll tell you why, because they sent him a planogram. Now a planogram, if you don't know what it is, it's a, it's a sketched out guide. Sometimes it's printed with, um, the, uh, the, uh, pictures of the item that need to go on that particular shelf or get hung up on that rack. And, uh, but it doesn't work in his store. He only has a 16 foot wall to make this display and they're showing him a display for a 24 foot wall. Well, he doesn't, he can't pull these extra feet out of thin air. So he's got to find a way that makes it work. And he's finding that he's got to figure out a way to make the display work. So that the sales merchandise, which is going to be featured in the upcoming flyer can get out there and, and, and be done. Now, um, he learned, which is something he didn't know as an assistant manager, but he learned that some companies that, have su that supply inventory to the store, they're called vendors, they pay for certain end caps to be displayed. And he must comply to the demands of those, of those vendors. They rent an end cap on the end, of, a, on the end of, a, of an aisle. And they want their merchandise displayed and displayed properly. So... He's working on it, but his district manager is not is is now in the store, and he's wondering why Steve has not finished the planogram as yet. He tries to explain that in between customers, doing payroll, scheduling, and interviews, he's been tied up these past few days, but is working hard as he can. Not to mention all of the other corporate business that he has to has to be accomplished, looking over the sales reports, setting goals for his team meeting certain criteria from the company, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum, ad infinitum. And it doesn't end when you're a manager, folks. 
But the DM doesn't want to hear it. He explains to Steve that he needs to delegate, that Steve needs to delegate some responsibility to others so that the work can get done. Steve takes it, takes the impact, but he knows that his usual payroll, payroll hours of 450 hours per month has now been cut to 80, cut by 80 hours. So that's two full-time employees that are going to lose hours, and he's already shorthanded as it is, and one of his full-timers have quit with the hour reduction. <clears throat> Taking the employee down from 40 hours a week to 32 hours a week, still considered full-time by the company, but now that full-time employee who may have been working for the company for a while and making more than $9 an hour, he may be making 12 $13 an hour. Well, now he's being cut. And he's, he knows that he would love to, to delegate responsibility to other people. But at the same time, he doesn't know how he's going to get that done because he's really shorthanded. But he nods at the DM and tells him he'll get it done. He doesn't know how just yet, but he'll get it done. So his two-hour visit with the DM doesn't turn out so well, even though, even though Steve's sales and customer surveys are showing that he is doing better than any other store in the district. But of course, that is not enough. It's never enough. The fact that they wanted him to sell a certain item uh, and boost sales on that certain item, and he's doing it on one of the two items. Oh, excuse me. Let's say they have two items that they want pressed for the month. They really want to push these items out. And even though he's making the sales on one of them, he's not meeting the other. He gets congratulated for one, but and he doesn't even get congratulated for one. He gets chewed out for not getting the other one, not meeting those numbers. But Steve smiles as he hits the sales floor, and, and he knows he's going to have going to have to call his wife and tell her that he has to stay late so when his assistant arrives, he can work on the planogram, even though he knows he'll be interrupted. He has to put in the effort because while he's standing there working on the planogram, he's going to get customers. Excuse me, do you work here? And he'll be pulled away because he can't just say, yeah, go talk to that guy over there. That's not good customer service, and Steve knows it. So he's going to do the best he can to take care of the customers and get this planogram taken care of. So Steve can take no days off other than his scheduled ones. His team is crying for hours since the cutback, and he promises that he will give them some. But despite their grumbling for more hours, when someone calls out sick, no one else can work. So guess who has to fill in to cover? That's right, Steve, or the assistant. But he diligently does his job each day, That and he comes in and he can't get away from his work even at home because if an alarm goes off at the store in the middle of the night, he is the first one called by the alarm company and must go in order to find out why. And trust me, this happens. I got called to a store when I was working for Harbor Freight Tools. It was a hurricane taking place. And we got a window break alarm. Now, more than likely, it was just the wind shaking the window. But I had to get in get dressed, get in my four-wheel drive, and hopefully not get killed on the way down to the store to find out what the devil's going on. 
So I have to go there. You have to open up this store. You have to turn the alarm off. You have to go in, call security, tell them you're there, tell them there's nothing wrong. You reset the alarm, and you're on your way home again. You know, and you maybe traveled a half an hour to get there. You're there for five minutes, and then you got to turn around and head on back. Well, such is life. And on the way back, you get a call on your cell. Hey, it went off again. Then you got to turn yourself around and go back there. <laughs> this is the stuff that happens. You know, so um, he has to listen. Steve has to listen to the complaints of his assistant manager on how uh, how so-and-so didn't take out the garbage in the night before, how someone else did something or didn't do something, or a customer complaint that he has to follow up on that he's there. And, oh, yes, the cash registers were off $10 last night, and loss prevention wants to, to call him about it. He has to place orders during the day, check inventory, make bank runs for change, all while keeping a smile on his face while he's helping a customer. Oh, yes, even when there is a Karen in front of him, he must keep his cool and deal with the situation. Now, the manager, the department manager, head cashiers, etc., they all face the same issues here. They have to deal with cranky customers, short supplies, short payroll, late deliveries, and employee issues daily. Oh, yeah, people have issues that they bring up. I have to take tomorrow off because I have to take my son to the doctor. I cannot come in because my son is sick or my daughter's sick. Oh, hey, it just snowed and I can't come in. I have no one to watch my children. These things are real and they happen constantly. You don't see it as a consumer because you walk in the store and you say, wow, it's kind of light in here. Why, why aren't there any, anybody to help me? Well, because it, maybe because it just snowed that day and schools are closed and most of the single moms that are there don't have anybody else to watch their kids. Listen, this is, this is real stuff that happens. <clears throat> so poor Steve has to deal with all this. And uh, it, has, it, and it takes its toll on a store manager as well. Now, I've known some store managers that are absolutely cranky. They look like, looks like they just swallowed a beehive. They always have a puss on their face, and they never smile. And I don't know how these people get their job other than I think they're brown-nosing it. They know how to suck up to the district manager, so when the time for promotion comes, they get the position, even though their customer service sucks. Let's just put it that way. All right, so I hope I've given you some insight as to what it's like to be a retail manager and uh, what it's like to work as a retail clerk. Now, even, you know, people that work in bigger stores where there are department managers, the department manager basically is a mini version of the whole store into the department. You're allowed so much payroll. You have to uh, order certain things, do certain things. <clears throat> all of the stuff, make sure the deliveries come in, that they're put away, everything's put away. So it all works in miniature, but it's like being, it's it's the store manager now has to oversee everything, and there's like a store manager just in that department, all right? So, for instance, like a grocery store or a big box retail store like, you know, Best Buy, something like that. You know, they have a manager that's in charge of the returns or they have manager in charge of repairs or manager in charge of the, of the, um, TVs and the stereos and phones. and uh, You know, they have people that run those departments for them. And it, uh, 
So it all boils down, but it's the same thing. Whether you're a department manager or managing a whole store, <clears throat> it all it's all going to work exactly the same. I'm just going to tell you a few stories of uh, customers that I have dealt with over the years. Some are funny, some are sad, and some have come out all right. Well, when I first went back to work and was training as a manager, I was working at uh, Radio Shack. I was the lone clerk on that night, okay? Uh, now, so it's up to me to run the store, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, I walk in, and the the uh, guy that was there ahead of me in the morning said that they just had a robbery. Well, what happened? Did you get held up or what? He said, no, somebody flipped the security camera down, went in the back room, stole the whole mess of... Uh, scanners police scanners and uh, emptied the boxes and they just took the scanners and ran or stuffed them in their coat and walked out the door so oh my goodness so now you know it had just happened so i'm helping him to you know deal with customers that were in the store and deal with um deal with other issues you know and you got talking to loss prevention that type of thing meanwhile <clears throat> I'm standing there trying to help everybody out. And there's this gentleman standing there. There's two two or three gentlemen in the store waiting to be uh, taken care of. And we had just got, we had just received a um, uh, delivery. So they come in these big boxes. They're probably, oh, I don't know, three feet long, two feet wide, and maybe, you know, a foot and a half, to two feet deep. And they're usually filled with all kinds of electronic stuff. We don't know what's in them until we open them. So... From the warehouse, they just dump it in. It's going to this store. This is what they're getting. Well, while I'm taking care of the customer, and I turned and look, this guy that was in the front in the trench coat picks up one of these boxes, and I saw him running out the door. Uh, I ran out after him to at least get the the car, the license number, but I couldn't. He'd already gone down. I got a description of the car. I said, All right, folks, I'll be with you in a minute. i got to call the police. So I called the police department tell them what happened. And I'm expecting an officer to come in and take my report. Now I have to get back on the phone with loss prevention again. By this time, I'm alone. And during all of this, there's people are you know patiently waiting. And this one gentleman walks up to me. Now I'm a little shook because I just got robbed. I'm a little you know I'm a little shook up here. I know it's no big deal now to think about it, but it kind of unnerved me a little bit. And um, so that's two robberies in one day. That's that's really. So uh, I went to uh, take care of the next customer. And, of course, he comes out with these little parts that I could tell he bought maybe three years ago because the packaging has changed since then. He said, I'd like to get a refund on these. He shows me the receipt. The receipt's from three years ago. Sir, I can't do a refund on this. I can't even give you. You only have a 30-day return policy. Oh, no, you could, you could bypass that. No, sir, I cannot. You know, and, and he got mad. I mean, he got up in my face. He started screaming at me. I told him to get out of the store, basically. So that, you know, people just have no clue. I said, look, I just went through two robberies here, and you're in here busting my chops over this. Get out. I told him to leave. Never heard back from him or anything like that. <laughs> All right, another customer. Uh, when I was now managing a store... I had a customer come in, and she was an elderly lady, and she really wanted this new TV. And I said, uh, okay, yeah, I have it in stock, and I sold her the TV. I sold her the warranty. I never let anybody out the door with a warranty. I always sold that. I got my numbers up. 
Uh, in fact, in that particular store, I was known for that store. I believe when I first came in, made four hundred fifty thousand a year. My being there for one year, that store went up to almost a million dollars a year in sales. So yeah, I knew what I was doing. So this customer came in and she got the TV. I helped her bring it out to her car. I said, I asked her, and she's an elderly lady. I said, do you have help back at the community you live in? Because she lived in an elderly community in town. I said, did you, do you have help with this? She says, oh yeah, yeah, I'll have some help. So she's gone for about a half an hour, 45 minutes, and she calls me. She says, Sal, I don't know what to do. I just dropped the TV. What? Yeah, I put it on a on a TV stand and tried wheeling it in with somebody else, and it fell off TV, st- TV stand and broke. Wonderful. Scratch on the lens, and the, the thing cracked. So, you know, I'm trying to think of what I can do because this, you know, I mean, really she was just out of luck basically. But I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to have somebody come down there with a new TV. And I had one of my employees get in his car, put the TV in there, put a new TV in there, go there, deliver it, hook it up for her, and bring the other one back. Now, that little thing that I did was enough to, one of the things that caused me to earn that kind of money. So that was a good thing, right? So I told you, yeah, one bad, one good. And then um, I was at that same Radio Shack store. I had a heck of a time getting in because it was a blizzard in Connecticut that day. <clears throat> and I did not have a four-wheel drive vehicle, and I wormed my way in trying to get in during this thing. And um, I'm, I said, you know what? I called the district manager. I said, I'm closing the store. There's nobody in the parking lots. Everybody around, every store in my little mall is shut down. I'm the only idiot that's here. I'm closing everything down before I can't get home because it was snowing was really, really bad and even snowing worse in the area that I lived in. So um, he says, uh, he was reluctant, but he said, oh, yeah, I guess that's all right. And I said, well, unless you want me to want to pay for a hotel for me to stay in town here, you know, I'll, I'll gladly stay. No, 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 close the store and, and do what you got to do. Okay. So I uh, getting ready to shut the store off. I just shut all the lights off, Okay. And this old man with a cane came walking in the door. Uh, I said, can I help you? Yeah, I need some batteries. Batteries? You came out in a blizzard to buy hearing aid batteries. They weren't even batteries for his flashlight. They were hearing aid batteries. It floored me. I helped him. I gave him his batteries. But this is the type of people you deal with. Just when you think you're going to get away... Now I'm stuck here for another 15 minutes because he didn't remember what size batteries he was using. But that's okay. Story number three, four, excuse me. Customers that wanted to return. I had a customer that wanted, he, she bought pillows online through Amazon. You know how you could buy stuff on Amazon and get it um, from, um, you know, you could buy it from a third-party seller, actually. And Petco was selling things. This was at Petco. Uh, third-party sellers that sold these dog pillows for, I forgot exactly what they were, uh, $10 each. They were on sale online. But in the store now, they were $7.50 each, okay? So this lady came in, or $8.50 each. This lady came in, wanted to return the pillows, and then repurchase them at the cheaper price. Now, I have done this for customers as long as they have a receipt. That's fine. I have no problem doing that. It's, well, it's good customer service. And usually if you don't do stuff like this, corporate's going to tell you to do it anyway. But she was insistent that she bought them from Petco, Petco.com. 
But I'm looking at the receipt, and the receipt was not a Petco.com receipt. So it was some, said something else. So I said, well, hold on, i got to check on this. So when I called corporate, and I talked to one of the people there, and I found out that she bought these through Amazon, and that we cannot take the return because they were purchased through a third party. So she would have to return those to Amazon. So I would be glad to sell her new ones at the price, the sales price, but she'll have to get the return from Amazon. She did not want to hear it. Yelling and screaming and yelling and screaming. And my uh, my other assistant manager, which I hope she's listening to this because I hope she remembers this, this lady was off the wall. So I called corporate back again. I said, the lady is getting out of hand. And corporate actually backed me up and said, no, uh, we can't do it. So I explained it to her. And I loved doing this. She was one of many customers who said, I want to speak to your manager. Uh, I said, okay, just a minute, I'll get him. And I did a 360-degree uh, about face, faced her again, said, hi, I'm the store manager. How can I help you? And she got more and more frustrated with me as time goes on. And I said, well, you're the only manager here? I said, well, and I pointed to my uh, my assistant. She, she, she's one of the assistant managers here. What can I do for you? I'm like, oh, you know, she she was just off the wall. And it kind of shook us a little bit because of the way she was screaming. So we had an opportunity to go outside, and uh, the gal I worked with, she smoked. She went out to have a cigarette. I just went out there to chill with her for a minute to calm us both down. The lady wound up calling corporate. Corporate called us later and said, they said that they, she, the two of you were outside laughing at her and uh, smoking, a, smoking cigarettes when you should have been in work. And I said, no, first of all, I don't smoke. I said, second of all, you know, I don't know what this lady's problem is. And we all kind of laughed it off. And that, But this is the type of stuff you deal with on a regular basis. Uh, let's see. We've had customers that were yelling at team members I have to put in my place. A customer yelling at me because I wouldn't price match an item at Petco for another store. Uh, you know, another uh, one of our competitors, and which we gladly do, but you have to bring in some proof, a copy of the online ad or a copy of the flyer, and we'll be glad to price match as long as I have proof that you can't just come in and say, this is $20 cheaper over here. So um, he was yelling at me and, you know, threatening to punch me in the nose, calling me names, fat, cross-eyed, all kinds of things. And I uh, came up from behind the counter, and he decided I was too big for him to, uh, to tackle, so he's yelling at me as he's walking out the door because I was getting ready to call the police at that point. So these are the kind of things you deal with. Um, oh, funny one that took place. I'm at Petco, and I'm doing a uh, counting the register down. Like midday, you have to count um, and take extra money out of the register, put it in the safe, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm in there, got my Petco uniform shirt on, big badge that says Petco, you know, my name. And, of course, what's the question I get while I'm in there with my, excuse me, do you work here? You know, and I really... Wanted to have a Bill Ingvall moment there and turn to him and say, no, this is a self-serve register. I'm just making change. Here's your sign. All right. I had, uh, I just, you know, boom. You know, I mean, I, I just, but no, you smile and you say, yeah, I'll be right with you, etc." So you deal with things like this on a regular basis. The stupidity of some people is perplexing. Okay. Perplexing. And they see you're in the middle of something and they interrupt or they, they, um, or, or anything. I mean, they start yelling at you for no reason because you don't have a product that they wanted. All kinds of stuff. Uh, then you have the ones like when I was at Harbor Freight, I had a customer who purchased a 500 pound toolbox and came to pick it up with a Subaru Outback. 
So now we have to take this thing, which is all crated up. We have to bring it down on the back loading dock. We have to, with the crane and put it, uh, the forklift and kind of drop it down there uh, on the ground where his car is and unbox the whole thing and then force the thing into the back of his car. But, you know, and then there was a customer there who didn't know how to hook up a camera to his TV. And, and out here, I, I grew up on a TV repair spot. Yeah, I know how to hook up TVs and hook up this kind of stuff, but no, didn't do any good with this guy. So, um, and after about almost an hour of explanation, drawing him diagrams of what he should do, he wanted a refund. So that's just things like that. You, you think you're helping and then they're actually, they're going to mess you over. So being in retail is not fun. It is not fun at all. So in every one of these scenarios, the same thing happened, um, same things happen. They all ask, all they say, I want to speak to the manager. And I'm sorry, I did that more often than I wanted to. Spun around and say, here I am. And I know that's not very Christian-like, but uh, I couldn't help it. Now, <laughs> now listen, if a customer has a legit, had a legitimate complaint, I would take care of them if I could. You know, in retail, I always went by the adage, it's easier to apologize and get permission. If you call corporate, say, should I do this? They'll tell you no. So you're better off just doing it. I used to tell my employees, too, my, my teams, look, just give them the refund. Don't worry about it because they'll just file a complaint. Customer service will call and tell me to, to do what the customer wanted. And they back me 99% of the time. Or in a case where that lady with the pillows, um, you know, they, they, for the most part, they would back the customers. But 99% of the time, they back the customers and only a very small percent that they allow us to, uh, to do what we needed to do. So, uh, but, uh, but whatever I could do to help. Uh, help the customers explain why my numbers, uh, the great numbers that I had and I produced in my stores, happy customers come back and they tell other people to go see Sal at that store because he'll help you. So I've told you all of this, okay, to say before you blow up at that cashier, that retail clerk or that manager, take a breath. Think about what you are going to say and be reasonable. Now, if they're being jerks, then by all means, file a complaint to corporate. You know, if you say, look, I, I have a problem with this and say, well, what do you want me to do about it? Well, then you go to corporate, okay? And um, you file a complaint to corporate and let them know how disappointed you are and be nice. If corporate takes these things very, very seriously. And no matter where you are, they definitely do not put up with the nonsense. Okay, so. Uh, now we should be nice to each other. We, we should help each other out. If the world would learn this, that nobody is perfect, that we all have faults, just as the other person has, they would be more tolerable of others. And I think we need to learn this lesson. It's very, very important. The Bible teaches us clearly that Christians, at least, um, we should be kind to one another. And, and Ephesians 4, verses 29 through 32 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion and that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, as Christ forgave you. Um, also, Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you may you must so, so you must also forgive, and above all of these things put love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now here's an oldie but a goodie, Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, Jesus said, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see how see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay, so <laughs> that's an oldie but a goodie, I say. All right, I hope that you have enjoyed today's program and maybe gained some insight to the life behind retail. It's really not a fun place at times. Now, if this podcast has been a help to you, please share this podcast with others and visit my website, thetruthmustbetold.org. Now, if you have any prayer requests or you wish to know more about becoming a Christian, reach out to me through the website. Again, thetruthmustbetold.org. We'll be glad to take you through the scriptures and show you what it's like. Um, and if you, again, if you have prayer requests, please, 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 please let me know because it's very important. Also, let me know where you listen to this program on. That would be helpful as well when you write in. And um, if you listen on anchor.fm, don't forget to click that sponsor button because that's very, very important that we be able to maintain the podcast and what needs to be done here. And that know that the gospel, knowing that the gospel is going out uh, from here all over the world. I am just, again, I'm shocked and amazed at what is taking place. So, um, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to keep praying for people that support the, to support this ministry. Uh, if you want to make a donation, just say, I don't want to uh, commit to a monthly Commitment of you can you could choose on anchor either ninety nine cents, four ninety nine or nine ninety nine a month, but you can also uh, if you want to you can go to uh, it's uh, paypal.me slash Salvatore Passos and you can leave a donation for me there, and I'll that'd be sure to you know it'll trust me it's going to go into the furtherance of this uh, podcast. I'm not taking anything for myself. So um, I do appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Uh, God bless you. Uh, and I'll see, oh, I want to leave you with a quick uh, scripture. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. All right? So think about that. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's really something that's really good. All right, guys. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed this program. I can't say enough how much I love you guys that are out there and that are listening. Keep up the sharing. Keep up the good work. And we'll see you guys uh, very, very soon on the next episode of The Truth Must Be Told. Have a great evening.